This week on the Taking 20 podcast. If you fail a dice roll, that does not mean your character is a big, dumb, stupid idiot. It means something in the world has conspired against them to ruin their day. (laughs) And those things are what make for compelling storytelling. When you have a major failure as a um, character, it's it's the most fun you'll have digging yourself out. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 113 of the Taking 20 podcast. If you thought in the cold open, that doesn't sound like Jeremy, you're right. It's someone a lot smarter, better looking, and hell, more talented. Wait, why the hell isn't he doing this podcast? We have a very special guest on today's episode. If you're a regular listener of mine, you know that I hardly ever do interviews. I'm very selective about who I interview because I want the people I bring on the show to be interesting, have perspectives on the table that you'll find valuable. I believe I found one such person in Shane O'Loughlin. Shane's a cast member and CCO of the Venture Forth podcast. It's an RPG-based narrative podcast where DM Ethan Ralphs leads the adventures of Shreya, Olma, Flynn, and Shane's character, Kellick. Shane, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. That was a lovely introduction. Well, you're very welcome. (laughs) Every now and then I can fake having a modicum of professionalism. (laughs) So I guess to start off, tell me a little bit about yourself. Um, I am uh, an actor, composer, sometimes filmmaker, and and veterate nerd. I, I'm a I'm a big big gaming enthusiast uh, and a, a lover of uh, fantasy. So you're composing for the podcast as well. I am. Yeah, that's um, amazing. Have, yeah, yeah, it's very exciting. Yeah, the the old Arthur C. Clarke sufficiently advanced technologies indistinguishable from magic. People who can compose and create music out of nothing to me that's 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 they're reaching into a hat and pulling out a rabbit. Congratulations! Here's here's a nice beautiful <laughs> musical piece. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, sometimes it still seems like magic to me. On, on the other end of it. So, I relate to that. The Ventureforth podcast obviously has unique and creative music that kind of plays in the background of a lot of the scenes. Is that shared duties as far as uh, uh, composing that, or is that all you? That's all me. Wow. I, all, all the music you hear on the show is generated from me. You <laughs> you are slumming it coming on this, this podcast. Let me just tell you that <laughs> right now, because I do not have one-tenth that level of talent. So oh, I apologize in advance. <laughs> oh, you're doing great. So you mentioned that um, you're a geek and you love tabletop RPGs. How long have you been playing? Um, so tabletop, not that long. I think about uh, five or six years of, of proper tabletop experience. I played a little bit when I was younger, but nothing remarkable. My, my entryway into this stuff was uh, the, the game Dragon Strike, which is kind of like a baby version of, of D&D. Oh, wow. I have not heard that name in forever. Yeah, That's a yeah. nice I'll- blast from the past. Yeah, man, I remember very well that that weird claymation uh VHS that came with it. Um, super fun game. So, <laughs> so um, that was my entryway. And then I read all like the Forgotten Realms books. I was a big Dristorden fan. And um, and and so I, I experienced it through that. And it wasn't until more recently that I found people that ran games because it was just like a culture that like wasn't prevalent where I grew up I think the like D&D TTRPG culture I think in in general it's probably grown a lot since then anyway um but yeah I, I, when I finally did find people to play with it was very exciting which is which is amazing when you can find that group um yeah oh, I played yeah. I played a little bit in college um I, I will admit I I think I'm a little grayer than you and so I'll just be polite <laughs> and say I've uh, my my teeth are a little longer and uh, I played a little bit in college 
same kind of thing. I mean, just kind of dabbled. Battletech, Mech Warrior, a um, yeah, little yeah. bit of uh, Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, that kind of sure, thing. Yeah. So going way back to there. And the group awesome. that I used to play with, it's one of those things where we all scattered to the four winds and we all happened to move back to the same town. Not the town that we grew up in. So you wow, run into one okay. and next thing you know, it's like, oh my gosh, we have got to game some more. Yeah, that is that is a faded... Uh, uh, convenience. That's Happy awesome. accident, and I will take it. Yeah. You mentioned that you kind of started on like the baby version of Dungeons and Dragons. Um, how did you get started? I mean, did you have somebody that you played you played with? Um, I mean, I played with my my brother. I played that with my brother. Uh, I have an older brother, five years older. Um, and then he sort of like got more into music than than fantasy and nerdy stuff, and I sort of stayed in the nerdy vein. So it wasn't until uh, more recently, uh, that, uh, actually my wife's brother, uh, is a DM and he ran us through some Pathfinder stuff. Oh, awesome. Like, this is awesome. And then when we moved to Los Angeles, uh, we did a, a make a film in a day, like a, a 12 hour, um, uh, filmmaking sprint. Uh, and, um, two of the people we met during that, one was an actor and one was a photographer. We're both D and D nerds. And, uh, the photographer ran a, a, a homebrew that uh really just like blew my mind like it was the first time i'd done a, a proper homebrew uh and where it was like just a full-on sandbox and where i really like worked hard on my character sheet beforehand and like wrote backstory stuff and i and i like and he, what he did which was cool which uh he gave experience points for backstory oh <laughs> so which is for me I, I like doing that anyway. So it was like that. So I was, I was ready to, he stopped giving me experience cause I did too much, <laughs> but here's my it, but 19 that, like, care, 19 page backstory. Please read it all. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I wish it was as short as 19 pages. Um, oh, so, wow. <laughs> so it like, yeah. So that really opened my eyes to what a cathartic experience it could be. And, and the, the sort of like, the 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 sheer joy of it honestly um outside of just the gaming element of it so you mentioned previously you'd played pathfinder kind of when you when you ran across some people who played uh, you currently obviously you're playing venture forth which releases once a week on tuesdays do you play any other games besides venture forth these days or is that pretty much chewing up your time uh it, it's the main it's the main thing that chews up my time for sure uh i do ha- i have a homebrew game that i run hmm. um uh, me and uh, Russell, who plays Flynn on the podcast, uh, we our whole group, our whole team, uh, when the Clubhouse app came out, we started a and d club on Clubhouse. And through that, Russ created this um, this Savage Isles universe. It was kind of a West Marches style game. And he and I developed, like did some of the world building together. And so since then, that's kind of, we just honestly ran out of time. And so we haven't been able to maintain it as well. But people still play in that universe, uh, in that club. Um, and I took the world building Russ and I did, and I started running a homebrew game of my own and we meet like once a month, but that's the other, that's the other main game that I run. But that's, is that also 5e? That's also 5e. Yeah. But it's, you know, there's nothing wrong. Obviously you've got your main campaign that you, that you're in, but it is nice to kind of branch off a little bit every now and then, then kind of, uh, clear the pipes, so to speak, to get in a different type of character's mindset. Yeah, it's good. It's good practice. And it also what's nice about like, I like that I get a chance to DM because it it makes me more aware of like what Ethan has to go through and (laughs) and a little more sympathetic, you know, and so it gives me perspective. And and also you get to see like what your players do in response to stuff. And you go like, oh, okay, like it's all it's all very informative. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. That's that's very true. I'd like to transition over to talk about the podcast, if you don't mind. Great. Yeah. Tell me about the Venture Forth podcast. Just in your own words, how would you describe it? 
Man, uh, so we are uh, a bunch of performers. Uh, we are uh, also friends, <laughs> and we wanted to uh, tell an improvised, uh, immersive, cohesive story uh, while still having a, a good time and and having some laughs uh, along the way. That's sort of like uh, how we how we started uh, what we do with Venture Forth. Amazing, very good. Yeah, Ethan is uh, kind of your full time DM. Is that correct? That's right. That's right. We, for a while, are we uh, in prep, we used to do like one shots and occasionally Russ would DM and I would DM. But uh, Ethan's the mo- one who most comfortably fits into that role in our team. And he likes it. Sure. <laughs> He'll complain, <laughs> but he likes it. Well, I hope so. He's behind the screen now and there's no yeah. coming back. You cannot escape. No, no. <laughs> but um, oh, we mentioned earlier that you're the chief creative officer of VentureForth. Um, what are the biggest challenges that you have in that role? A lot of it's just time management because we have a group of really creative people um, who all have great ideas and, you know, great ideas always require a lot of hours of work. (laughs) So part of my my job is to is to pick our battles and try and align everything that we're doing creatively with what our our sort of mission statement is around um, telling our story and telling that story well. And then uh, the other aspect of that is, you know, I do, I edit the show and, and I write the music for it. And so I'm also sort of in charge of the tone and style of our, of our show. So, for example, uh, Ethan plays a, a Warforged character uh, by the name of Thaddeus. And Ethan was like, hey, I think it'd be really cool if we could put like a filter on the Warforged voice. Um, and so like one of the negotiations I had to have was, because um, that's easy to do, right? But it's like how much... How far do we push that? Because what and what what I ended up doing, and I think this is successful, um, is is just a little bit. So you can still hear Ethan's voice, and then you can hear a little bit of the filter, and that way it's the same as if at the table, uh, Ethan just put his voice through a filter. So we can still tell that it's Ethan speaking, but we can hear this like extra element that gives us a little bit of that of that sauce, a little bit of that immersion, because that's that's the line we thread is always like we want it to feel really immersive. But we also want it to be true to the experience of playing the game, which is like it's fun and it's improvised and it's messy, you know, and it's like we're, we're at the table. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's that component of it that's really important to us. Sure. And, and you mentioned that it's messy. But one thing that I noticed is that it seems to be edited very clean. I mean, very rarely <laughs> do you hear you know, a lot of ums, ums, ums or anything like that. It looks like uh, mm. that a lot of that gets gets, you know, taken out of the edited out of the uh, the final product. It really makes the uh, the conversation uh, move along at a good speed. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, we for what it's worth, I don't edit out that many ums and uhs. <laughs> you know, we have we've had a lot of practice and I mean, we do um and uh, but it's always in character so it feels true and it feels organic. And so that's the, you know, uh, there is a line to walk there. I I obviously do edit things and and there's um there's stuff where it's just like where we'll have to be like wait how, how old do dwarves get <laughs> you know sometimes we'll have those kind of discussions and that gets cut out but ultimately yeah i mean that's that's part of the uh, what's special about venture forth is that we really care about that level of focus and that level of like pacing and and detail yeah that's and it definitely shows in in the final product that comes out even though when i when i first looked at it you know, I was kind of expecting some of the other Let's Plays that I had heard. And when I looked at some of the episodes were one hour and 38 minutes or whatever, I went, oh, my God. This is going to be an hour 38 of people making making inside jokes around the table. Totally. And that's not what it is. It is very much, I mean, the best way I can describe it, it almost feels like a theater production. Very tightly edited and formed. 
thank you so much. My my heart <laughs> my heart is swelling with joy to hear you say that. That is that is very much our goal. Well, it definitely comes through. It uh, the the quality of you know one of the, one of the questions I'm, I'm going to ask you here in a little bit is about staying in character. Mm. But uh, the ability of your all you and your castmates to stay in character to respond in character is you know probably some of the best I've heard of any Let's Play. I'm Thank very so very much. impressed, and I wanted wanted to make sure I pass on the compliments to the entire crew. You guys are amazing doing that. Thank you. That's very kind of you to say, and I will relay that. But we, they will be thrilled. <laughs> so tell me about Kellick. Um, Where did the idea for Kellick come from? Uh, so Kellick, uh, he's a half drow grave cleric, mm-hmm. um, uh, which isn't really part of part part of our whole focus. Is like that kind of stuff isn't that pivotal. It's more about you know how they, how do they fit into this narrative. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, building these characters, it's always like a series of dominoes, right? Uh, so I started with, and the, you know, this is very funny to more, our more experienced uh, uh, tabletop uh, listeners, I was like, okay, we're doing this podcast. I will play the cleric because that's the unsexy class. Right. And I'll take that burden I'll on, be a heel bot. I'll be a healer, you know, whatever. You know, naturally, like I'd never played a cleric before and clerics are actually like so cool and so fun and very sexy. Like they're a great class. Uh, so that just happened to work out for me. But uh, so that was why I started with cleric, and then of course um, once I learned that Ethan's world, Elbor, um, uh, the homebrew world that our show uh, takes place in, uh, is 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 set in this holy war. It's this crisis uh, where the old gods have been usurped, and there's these new gods now, and they're not doing a great job. <laughs> and so there's this big conflict, uh, and there's all of these really heavy uh, themes that we're exploring. And so I thought, you know, I'm a cleric. Well, what better opportunity than to play somebody who's like smack in the middle of that conflict in every possible way, really? Uh, and so he is—he is a cleric that um, that that was a, was the most devout cleric of one of the old gods, Fimir. And our story begins where Kellek has lost his power uh, that Fimir used to give to him, and so he's having this crisis of faith, and he he gets power elsewhere. Oh, wow. <laughs> so yeah, it's an interesting, it's a, he's this, I wanted, for me, it was important for him to have this like sort of central dilemma that I could um, sort of explore the, throughout the. Story. Absolutely. Especially with the, the, the loss of the God that, you know, God or goddess that he worshiped that can, yeah. you know, throw a cleric into a tailspin. Next thing you know, yeah. they're playing it as a fighter. That's all, you know, because that's all they know. Right. So how much of your personality is in Kellick? Um, so, uh, a decent amount. I would say, um, Kellick is a lot cooler than I am. You know, <laughs> he's, he's like a lot braver and stronger, right? There's, he's, he's a very powerful person. Um, so there's, that's definitely nothing like me. Uh, but, uh, they, I took elements of myself and amplified them. Uh, and that's, that's how Kellick came to be. So, you know, for example, he has a very strong sense of justice. Uh, he has, uh, uh, a sort of like stiffness and rigidity and, and like sort of curmudgeonly quality to him. Uh, and, uh, He's also, um, I guess, soft, soft-hearted. Okay. He has a sort of uh, a sort of inner kindness that's protected by this like grumpy shell. And those are all those are all things that I that I definitely am, mm-hmm. uh, but that I have cranked uh, to a higher number uh, in the in the design of him. And I think that's what a lot of us do: is that when we start making characters, we make them as as aspects of ourselves that we wish we could turn up to eleven. I guess it would be rare for somebody to basically say, okay, I want to start with myself and make a shittier version of myself to play in this world. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's see yeah. what happens there. Oh, look, I'm shorter and weaker and fatter and 
uglier. This is going to be great. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, in some ways, Kellick is shittier than myself because he's he's way, way less compromising than I. Right. He's <laughs> a much more stalwart kind of person. So did you or your castmates have any theater background or anything uh, coming into this? Oh, yeah. So we are, um, I think Ethan might be the only one of us who isn't who isn't directly from a theater background. Oh, wow. I know um, uh, Ross, he plays Flynn. Uh, I don't, he, I, I think he doesn't have a degree in theater the way that uh, both uh, Cameron and Rebecca do. And, and I, I also have a, have a theater degree. But, um, but all of us are actors, uh, with the exception of Ethan, who I think you know, from the podcast is a pretty damn good actor. So, mm-hmm. so uh, oh, yeah. I, gr- I grew up doing theater. I started a uh, very young production of All My Sons at uh, university, and I uh, uh, have done theater since I was a little kid. I noticed that when I listened to, you know, those episodes of the podcast, your, your, car- your castmates speak in character a large percentage of the time, a very large percentage of the time. How do you keep Kellick's personality consistent week over week? Um, so keeping the character consistent is pretty, once you, once you develop it, it's pretty easy. I, I find anyway, and maybe that's just practice, you know? Um, but I think, uh, part of that is all the backstory stuff. Like when you, and I don't think you need to have, you know, uh, pages and pages and pages, uh, doesn't hurt, <laughs> but you can, uh, but if you sort of like set up the, the different dimensions, this character could be. Um, there's this, uh, old acting exercise, uh, called an adjective star where you, you do a little five pointed star and you put like an element of, uh, a personality on one corner of the star, like vengeful, right. Would be maybe one. And then on the other end of the star, you put something that's kind of the opposite, but also true, you know, so compassionate. So Kellick is both vengeful and compassionate. And the idea being like within five minutes of knowing this person, you might see every element that's on that star. Oh, that's neat. Um, and so, uh, and of course the top one doesn't get an opposite, but it's just sort of a way of like sort of separating the character into these kind of like dynamic, uh, elements. So, so doing things like that, doing sort of character exercises, uh, uh, helps you sort of establish those things. And then once you've got that sort of built in, you start to find yourself in a physicality when you're playing the character, uh, it, it becomes pretty, pretty, uh, second nature. I have to admit, that's one of the things that I have to do. As a DM, you play a lot of different characters. I had an old improv coach that, at the time, I despised the man because he made us do these <laughs> exercises over and over and over and over again. Oh, but yeah. now I'm very thankful because when I think of doing, for example, a very feminine character, everything is in and close and you know, everything mm. kind of just is not as expressive if you're being somebody demure or polite or shy or something like that. And so I'm, I'm yeah. thankful to him now. If I could go back in time 15 years, I would basically say, Jeremy, shut up and listen to this man. He knows what he's talking about. That star exercise <laughs> is very interesting. It's not, not something, not one that I'd heard before. That's very interesting. It's it's a fun thing to examine. It also, you also just end up looking at the sources for a long time, which is fun. <laughs> just like, oh, there's a lot of different words. So you had some people with theater backgrounds. You had people who uh, were very good actors. What made you guys want to start a, a live play podcast? That's a really good question. Um, we... I think for me, it was this, um, I was the progenitor of this thing, I guess, ultimately, because I, uh, uh, I had met Russ and, and we had played together. Uh, and then later Russ introduced me to Ethan and we played like the very first prototype of Elbor of Ethan's world. Um, and at the time I was like, you know, I, I had, I had discovered D and D or TTRPGs in general and how, how sort of like 
uh, honestly, like life-saving <laughs> the, the practice of these things can be, how, how, how truly cathartic and uh, communal and fun uh, uh, it was to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, of course, I found out soon after there were these, you know, shows, you know, perform, pl- people, were, people were performing D&D and putting it out into the world. And I thought, That's, that is a, an amazing uh, place to do all the things that I love. Like I get to be a, a super nerd. <laughs> I get to be uh, a gamer and like, you know, roll die and get critical hits. Uh, and I also get to like perform as an actor and write as a creative person and have this community that is so like vibrant and, and kind uh, around me. So it was this, uh, so I saw that as the opportunity and I really felt driven to, to do that, to step into that field in that way. Excellent. Excellent. Well, I think it's paid off because the, the, the quality of this podcast, I mean, is above just about every other peer podcast that you have out there. So Thank that's you. one of the, one of the reasons why I want to make sure, you know, people listen to my podcast, obviously it's a little bit different because I'm coming at it from a nerdy aspect, but I'm trying to draw people into the hobby. That's my goal. If yeah, one person listens to one of my episodes and says, you know what, maybe I could try to be a DM. That's what I'm going for. That's, that's all I'm going for. Obviously you're, you know, gaming for a podcast. Um, how is gaming for a podcast that's being recorded different than gaming with just your friends around the table? Uh, it's a lot, it's a lot harder, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it is, but it, uh, it's very rewarding as well. I'll say, um, cause obviously, uh, when you're playing with your friends, if you forget, uh, an element of your backstory and then later on you remember it, it's much easier to like put it back in when you're with your friends. Cause you're just like, Hey, actually I forgot about this. Can I go back and you know, whatever. Right. There's a lot more sort of leniency on that. Whereas the show, like it has to have for us anyway, we're, we're, we're sticklers, a certain integrity. There's, there's a, a um, our, our show is important. <laughs> we take it really seriously. Uh, and so there is a little bit of pressure to be like, okay, let me make sure I remember everything about my character uh, so that I react appropriately in this moment. Uh, and so that we can like maintain the through line of this story. Um, that said, I have gone back and played more casual games and like, I, I prefer our, uh, the way we play our podcast. It's, it's a, it's such a, um, sort of galvanizing experience. It's really like the, it's, it's, it's higher pressure, but, um, it ends up in these really sort of profound, satisfying moments. Now the, here's the question that I'm, I'm dying to know the answer to. Where do you want venture forth to go in the future? Man, as a uh, podcast, as a company, however you want to answer that. What are the various things like everything? You know, that's like that's a there's a the sky is the limit is kind of where we we come from with that. Um, with uh, we I believe very much in the style of our show and that we have a story to tell. And so to me, the uh, that's everything. Like like venture forth the podcast is our is our like sole focus. You know, and so I really want I that will not change. You know, I want uh, that vessel to be the the flagship of whatever we do in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, I would love to see these characters appear in other mediums like games and animation. I would love to see an Elbor source book. Oh, you know, I yes. would love to develop uh, uh, all kinds of cool things within uh, this community, this really cool TTRPG community around this this thing that uh, is so important to us, so meaningful to us. And that's, and it's amazing. I mean, one of the things that I'm a big believer in is that just because others reach the goal that you want to reach before you do doesn't take away your ability to do so. So, I mean, yeah, you see the critical roles and they've got, as of the time we're recording, they're about to release an animated, (laughs) yeah, 
they're about to re- release an animated series, which I think every one of us that plays would would give our right arm to have something and, like that. And and what what's more common, right? Than like something happens in a game and you're like, I could just see it in my head. Like even your most uh, uh, sort of mundane game. Uh, where people don't even know the rules very well and you're all just kind of like still cinematic moments will happen and you're like, this could be a movie. Like, there's like, so that is, uh, I, I think there's um, uh, a beauty to that. And, um, and I, yeah, I agree. I think uh, in my life, you know, just to sort of speak to it, I have often been one to say, oh, I'd really love to do this kind of thing. I'd love to make this kind of movie or do this kind of uh, performance or write this kind of song even, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, but somebody's already done that, so I won't do that. I got to find something that's just my own. And and I think there's more degrees uh, of originality to that than I had presupposed. And that's that's our model of Venture Forth as well, is like, we're not the same as Critical Role. <laughs> we can occupy a different space uh, at the same table and... Uh, I think there's there's room for everyone at the proverbial table in that way. And that's fantastic because there's so many home games that, you know, a lot of times uh, people who want uh, want to start a home game, some play- players who have never played before, they expect every single game to be like Critical Role or to be like Glass Cannon or Dice Camera yeah. Action or Relics and yeah. Rarities or, or whatever. Sure. And every single game is is its own niche that you have to carve out. Yeah. And yeah, we would all love to have the success that Critical Role would, but you know what that looks like for Venture Forth, like you mentioned, it could be a source book. It could be an entire series of adventures that gets published. It could be spinoff podcasts. It could be any one of a number of things that could be part of a Venture Forth empire going forward. Totally. I'm sorry. Where can listeners find the podcast, by the way? We are uh, everywhere you get your podcasts. Uh, Venture Forth colon a D and D podcast. D ampersand D. Uh, we're also Venture Forth D and D on all social media. If you type us in, you sh- we should come up. I think we've we've navigated that well enough that Venture Forth D and D will bring us up wherever you look. <laughs> yeah, you didn't do something stupid like I did, which is name yours Taking Twenty, and then I get about five episodes in and realize that oh, there's a whole other channel also named Taking Twenty, just without the word podcast in it. So oh man, well I mean that's just twenty. 22 right that's just where we are yeah you know <laughs> so, what are you gonna do the modern era yeah well there's there's another venture forth podcast i think it might be about uh camping or something <laughs> <laughs> people start listening to this like, they're not in character at all this is what's going on here <laughs> yeah should the, uh, if somebody wanted to listen to the podcast do you feel like they need to go back and start with episode one or can they pick up pretty close to where they are now what what advice would you give to to brand new listeners I think it depends on what kind of person you are. I think uh, uh, if you are like me, you probably want to start from episode one because you have FOMO and you're like, I don't want to miss any little scrap of information that might pay off in the future because um, <laughs> you're a maniac <laughs> like me. Uh, but uh, I, I think if you wanted, you could probably pop in at the at the most recent episode and you would be able to catch up pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. We take pains to make sure that the story is very clear and that we are very descriptive, and so you don't get lost in, in uh, the location or the tone of what's going on. Uh, and also, if you would like to, the, the middle ground, um, every 10 episodes, I make a recap that is a, uh, it's like part clip show, part narration, uh, to sort of keep the through line of the show prevalent. So you could, I make them every 10 episodes, so you could listen to Harken Back 1 through 4, and then start on episode 41 if you want it. Gotcha. The- well, I can tell you that uh, when Ethan first reached out to me, and I, I listened, the very first episode I listened to was episode 37, and it took me maybe half an hour to figure out, okay, here's who the characters are, this is the quest that they're on, this is what they're doing and where they are, 
looking at the the map of Elbor, for example, that's published out there, it was very easy to figure out, oh, this is where they are on the continent and this is where they're, okay, I got it. Nice, yeah. The okay. resources that you guys provide do allow you to catch up very, very quickly, even if you wind up missing some episodes along the way. I, that's our goal, but it's great to have that <laughs> affirmed. Well, I, I can affirm it, definitely. Thank you. Well, there's three topics I want to talk about if you if you have the time. One of the questions I would have is advice for new players and DMs, and that's kind of the focus of, of my entire podcast. What piece of advice do you wish you'd had before you ever started playing RPGs? This may seem a little basic, but it's one of our sort of founding principles in Venture Forth. Um, I need to be constantly reminded of it, is lean into failure. Is mm. that it's like TTRPGs are not about winning. Uh, they are about storytelling. And if you fail a dice roll, that does not mean your character is a big, dumb, stupid idiot. It means something in the world has conspired against them to ruin their day. Right. <laughs> and those things are what make for compelling storytelling. When you have a major failure as a, as a um, character, it's, super, it's the most fun you'll have digging yourself out. So I think that is to have that pressed upon early on uh, is a good thing. I think so. Um, one of my favorite shirts that my wife bought me a few years ago, it's a giant picture of a D20 with a natural one up, and it says, bad rolls make good stories. Nice. Yeah. And That's it's nice. something that I've really embraced because we've gamed with people wh where they fudge the die rolls. You know, they mm -hmm. don't want to fail. They don't want to have that natural one. They don't want to fail a skill check or an attack roll or whatever. Just because you roll a natural one or you fail a, a lock pick or, or, you know, a disabled device or whatever your game system uses, that doesn't mean you're an incompetent moron. It just means that the circumstances around them trying to do that just weren't conducive to success. It's, it's one of the most, like, profound insights that I think uh, uh, dice rolling RPGs have, which is that, like, you can have in real life, right? Let's say I spent, let's say I'm a way better guitarist than I actually am, and I've spent my whole life dedicated to the craft of guitar playing. Mm -hmm. That does not mean when I go to play my gig that it won't be cold outside and I won't break a string or uh, the guitar tech won't have set up the PA correctly or what, all these other factors that can contribute to you f messing up your, your strum pattern or your <laughs> whatever your, uh, uh, your technique that, you're, that you are really, really good at. There are so many other factors than just being good at something. And I think that's like, that's sort of a beautiful thing to, to have, to be reminded of. Um, and so I've, I've always enjoyed that element of rolling a natural one. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you're exactly right. Now, and don't get me wrong. I mean, it's, it's a, it's an amazing moment around the table every, every, well, back when we used to game in person, these days it's on Foundry or Roll20 or, or whatever online tabletop we use. Somebody rolls a natural one in a critical moment. It's, it's a dramatic fantastic oh everybody's like oh what are we gonna do now kind of kind of thing yeah it creates a a mountain in front of you like and that and that's so exciting <laughs> so ethan's been your dm for the for venture forth mm -hmm. how would you describe ethan's dm style and i can hear ethan squirming in his chair as i'm asking this <laughs> and as a follow-up to that what lessons do you think new dms can take from the way ethan dms Man, yeah, that's a good question. I think Ethan is an amazing model if you're just starting to DM because I think, uh, and I think this is a cool uh, uh, thing, honestly. I think there is a mythos now, probably mostly due to Critical Role, but you know, uh, uh, and and also um, I think Roll Twenty, mm -hmm. um, these things all 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 create this sort of mythology where like DMs are these like 
magnificent wizards who create immaculate landscapes and have extensive vocabularies and uh, uh, they create this winding world that you'd experience as a player, right? Uh, I think that's really cool and exciting and, and I, I really enjoy it. But I think uh, Ethan does something uh, that is not that, that is equally awesome. And mm-hmm. that is more that Ethan would rather you take ownership of it and make something that's your own. Like if I were to go to Ethan and say, hey, this place on the map here, this town over here, do you think it would be possible for there to be a shop there where this character from my backstory sells their wares? Ethan would not hesitate for a moment to put that in. There's a 99.9% chance that he would be comfortable implementing that. Or even, let's say, uh, Kellic is a cleric, right? And I have an idea about the goddess uh, uh, Famir. Ethan's going to work with me on that. There's not going to be like, no, that this is how Famir is, and this is how you have to, like, this, you'll have to now reconcile that as a player. That's not how it works. When we swing our swords, most of the time, we decide how we swing it, what our approach is with an attack. When we cast our spells, we describe how they um, appear. And so those things are are really um, satisfying as a player to get that kind of ownership. Uh, Ethan is uh, is not a grand wizard, but almost like a coach <laughs> who's just like, let's go out and get them, guys. Like there's a much more kind of egalitarian aspect to it. And I think for for new DMs, it's a good thing to to witness because you don't have to know everything. You just have to be like a a collaborator. Mm -hmm. That's it. Like you just have to kind of have fun ideas and be open to uh, alternate perspectives. There was a time when I thought I had to have all the details, you know, everything, everywhere they could go and who works in this shop and how many people are in this particular inn and, and that kind of thing. These days... When, uh, for example, the one of the, the groups that I'm DMing, we're running Pathfinder 1st Edition, we're going Skull and Shackles. And so they mm. enter a new uh, inn or town or what have you, and they say, oh, is there somebody here who uh, you know can sell horses? They sure do. What do they look like? And let them tell me, oh, you know, her name is Tina, and she is... She's a half elf and she's about five foot three and, and and that kind of thing. It's like you know, keep keep it going. Yeah, tell tell me what tell me about <laughs> Tina. Yeah, what that else? Kind of, yeah. That sounded yeah. dirty when I said it that way, and I didn't really mean it. <laughs> yeah. Tell me about Tina. More about Tina. Uh, tell yeah. me what about else Tina. <laughs> Sorry. Oh wow, that went a direction I was not anticipating. The other thing is, you mentioned that Ethan takes suggestions about uh, what's in certain towns and what's in certain areas. In the episode that I literally listened to less than an hour ago, wow! wow. Somebody, uh, you guys mentioned that you wanted a. Um, uh, oh, I'm looking for a place to buy like a leather cloak, and he goes, "Yep, there's one right across the street." Yeah, that's great DMing because it's one of those things where, okay, suppose he wrote it out where yeah, it's a block down, and you make a left, and and what what does that gain you? Absolutely nothing. What purpose does it serve? Yeah, yeah. Besides, like some kind of integrity that the DM thinks they need to have in their in their universe, and it's like, but well, well, why? <laughs> what you know? Yeah, I mean that's that's a great tip for DMs out there. Give your players a voice. Let them help you design your world, so that way the burden's not all on you. So that's that's what Ethan gets out of it is that he's got four other people that can help design his towns and continents and governments <laughs> and everything right. else. One of the things that I, I've mentioned that, I, that I'm very, very impressed by is you and your cast members' ability to uh, be, get in character, stay in character, and bringing like a, a voice or affectation to the table. Mm. What advice would you give new players who are nervous about doing that? Because so many people think, oh, well, I'm going to try to do a Scottish accent. It's going to suck. Yeah. I mean, that's a real fear. I completely relate to that. You know, like I do, a, I do an Irish accent on, on Venture Forth, and, and that was a huge, you know, I was up late the night before 
practicing, <laughs> trying to make sure I would get I would get it okay. And you know, if you listen to the show from episode one to episode uh, forty two, it changes a little bit, you know, because I get a little more comfortable with it. I think the thing that gives me comfort and that may help others is that dialects, real dialects, are inconsistent. Okay. Um, any any person, if you ask them to say the same word a number of times, that pronunciation will change. It also is very context dependent. Um, and it depends on who they're talking to. And so all of those things are mean that you have room okay. <laughs> to experiment and to uh, to find that character's voice, you know. So nobody, so if anybody, especially, I mean, we're in literally a fantasy world where you can throw a fireball out of your hand. Why can't you have an accent that doesn't quite sound Scottish? Good <laughs> you know point. I mean? That's There's a good no point. Reason. So, so, so it's your character. I think you, I think go, go for broke. Not to take this down vulgar road, but that same improv teacher that I, that I talked to you about earlier, one of the things he, t- he talked about was when you get up, get up on stage, especially, and you have to do a, an accent or an affectation that's not your own, it's natural to get in your own head and start getting worried about it and that kind of thing. And he said the phrase and the three words, fuck your fear. Mm. Yes, your Scottish yeah. accent is going to suck, but sitting two seats over is somebody trying to do a, a slightly Middle Eastern accent, and it's really not working. So it's okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're there, you know, presumably you're playing this game to experience something new, you know? And so why, why not take a risk? Well, there's one, uh, one other topic that I wanted to talk about, which I had been uh, shooting some emails back and forth with, uh, with your DM. And mm. one of the things that he mentioned was he thought would be a good co- topic for us to talk about is this concept of conflict within a game. Hmm character-character conflict, whether that comes from differing alignments or tasks or purposes or goals or whatever. What sort of in-world conflict has Kellogg had during the Venture Forth podcast? Man, so much. Okay. <laughs> we, you know, um, we're big believers in uh, conflict being a huge part of uh, a good story. I mean, that it sounds silly me saying it out loud because it's just it's such a clear, it's so obvious, right? But I think there can be a symptom in TTRPGs of uh, after the first couple sessions, your party becoming this like kind of con- conglomerate mind where it's just like, well, we kind of we kind of ironed all that stuff out, and now we just all agree all the time. Right. <laughs> and so we, as part of our sort of creed, conflict is is important to us, and we try to maintain those boundaries and try to explore. Okay, where where do these characters fall in this thing? And so. Uh, we have a lot of like inner party conflict. Um, uh, <clears throat> we, I, we don't really do a lot of alignment discussion because I think those are good. Uh, like when you're building a character, if you're looking at alignment, that's a good like stimulation of like, oh, here's a kind of person I could be. Okay. But the reality is alignment's going to shift as the game goes on anyway. And it's, it's kind of going to be gray area more or less. Um, so that said, Kellick is this like very, very sort of he 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 might even be lawful good you know he's hmm. that kind of he's it's very important to him to help people and to to stop evil and he has he has a pretty sophisticated view of the world and that's driven by this kind of simplistic moral imperative and so that results in a lot of really complex uh, conversations uh, that are that get really stressful really really fast <laughs> uh, and a lot of that revolves around too um our game is a world where the gods are real and present in a very tangible way. You know, you can call upon them, their power, and it appears in your hand and visibly, you know. And so then the sort of old Epicurus quote of like, whence cometh evil, 
uh, when we have these all-powerful gods is very salient. And that's a major question of Kellogg as more and more of this world is revealed and we see all of this sort of sadness everywhere and this uh, disparity between uh, populations. So that's a that's a, a huge element too. There's sort of a global conflict uh, in Kellogg's mind. Yeah, you know, I kind of started on the character character conflict, but conflict between character and aspects of the world. You know, you mentioned yeah. you know the gods are dead. That's huge. Have you ever read the Dragonlance series? Oh, I haven't. I, okay. will, I will confess. My brother and sister were big fans. No worries. <laughs> There's actually an event that happens 350 years before the uh, the start of the first book, where all the clerics are taken out of the land, gone, mm. none, mm. and uh, clerics of false gods, you know, rise up. And so it would create a tremendous amount of conflict for these new gods to be, you know, trying to establish their domains, to try to establish their worshipers, if you will. Mm-hmm. I can see where that would, especially as a cleric, that would that would create a huge amount of uh, potential plot conflict there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and it's all um, emphasized by this sort of war that's taking place mm-hmm. uh, because on one hand, the old gods are dead, like actually, or in, at least displaced. It's you know we haven't found their corpses, so to speak. Right. Uh, so the evidence is, hey, if you guys want access to you know power that can heal wounds and cure disease and all these things, like you guys should probably convert to the new gods. But if that's a point, if that's actually causing this huge war and creating all this death everywhere and chaos, then maybe it's better off that they don't. <laughs> you know, so there's this whole other degree of it that. It's really interesting. It's very fun to explore. That is that is very, very interesting, especially uh, I think conflict, you know, whether you're talking character, character conflict or, or character world conflict really drives those interesting, dramatic moments. I mean, you mentioned kind of players be- or characters becoming a hive mind. It is very, very tempting to basically make your character just this amalgam of everyone else where we all just kind of become this slurry of gray as we're all kind of blended yeah. together. No, I, I think it is good to have differences, conflicts, disagreements. Yeah. The way that we sort of facilitate that, I mean, part of it is is just our design. Like our characters are pretty, are very well structured, you know, so everybody kind of knows what their personality is. And we have these very clear differences, you know. Um, one of our characters uh, is a little girl who has insane power. She's a sorcerer. She's 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 got this uncontrolled power that it can, can become very dangerous. And the morality of like, handling a child who is like an atom bomb <laughs> uh it can become this huge conflict of like how much do you how, who bears the responsibility for the destruction caused you know right and, and that and that my favorite episode of our show at least in the early phases of it is i think the 18th episode where we first really come face to face with the war and we all sort of take part in this big battle but only two of our players actually ever draw blood the rest of us are going around, in my case, Kellick, it was he was just trying to disable things, right? It was just like casting Bane and trying to like prevent people from hitting each other, like doing these, uh, doing whatever spells I had at my disposal to prevent harm uh, at, from either side. And then uh, Rebecca's character, Ulma, went and found a, a burned down building and pulled a body from it. <laughs> oh, wow. And so there is all of this stuff happening in initiative that wasn't combat necessarily. Mm-hmm. And then we had this, you know, lofty discussion afterward where we all had to be like, hey, we're actually, you know, in D&D, it's part of it is a power fantasy. You're playing a, a, a character that has 
uh, a lot of capacity to impact the world, you know? And so our characters had to take a moment to be like, we can affect this war. And like what we did today will matter in the future. And like, we need to like, consider what that means. <laughs> right. And I think that's, you know, a salient point of conflict and a fun discussion. It was really, it was really, really fun. We also have, we have somebody who like grew up in one region and so he's very like attached. He's like, whatever that region believes, I'm going to go with that. Like those, the other people are the enemy. So why wouldn't I fight the enemy? Like, and so and it's like, oh, that's, that's spicy stuff. That's what's, I don't know. We really enjoy that. That's good role playing. And mm -hmm. one of the yeah. things I think that is uh, a challenge for a lot of people who are not as well versed in acting is separating character, character conflict and player, player conflict. Have you ever had to deal with, not necessarily Adventure Forth, but any other games that you've played, have you ever had to deal with conflict between players, not characters? Absolutely. If, especially if you're really committed in your role-playing, it's kind of bound to happen. And it also it, it matters uh, in some of the stuff we've done in Adventure Forth. Some of our sort of rules that we play by uh, are built to protect ourselves from that kind of thing because it is something you can fall into um, because tensions are high. You know, the, the stakes are high. It's pretty meaningful stuff. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> And so we really get into it sometimes. And so uh, one of my, you know, one of my very first games with Rebecca, like literally when we first started playing D&D &D together, I caught uh, lycanthropy Ooh. and, and her character was like pinning me down to get it cured. And I was like, I, I don't know, maybe I want lycanthropy. I don't know what it is yet. Like, you know, so we had this, so we had this huge fight about it where she beat me on the strength check. And so I had to get cured and I was like so upset, <laughs> you know, um, and, and, you know, we sort of just like talked about it. And, and part of what we do in Venture Forth now is we have little, little systems built in that we, uh, we touch base on those things and say, mm -hmm. you know, let's say we just had a big conflict on the uh, on the show for you know, we had like a ten minute fight amongst the team about whatever subject is going on. Uh, we'll we'll make physical gestures, you know, I'll give Russ a pat on the shoulder or I'll uh, squeeze Rebecca's hand, just little gestures to be like, we're, I'm here to support you as a player. I'm mm -hmm. fighting you as a character. You know, we're all in this together. Or when we take a break, we go like, hey, I love you guys. Just so you know, like we do those things, these little ways of touching base so that the conflicts don't escalate out of good uh, the world we're in. That's, that's a great tip too, as far as making sure that you do have those player player interactions that are so distinct. If your characters are disagreeing, the yeah. Example I always think of from my past is um, my brother-in-law plays in, he and I have played in a number of games together. I don't know why, and I'm sure a psychiatrist would peel the layers off this onion and would have a field day, but mm. he and I get along really well, really well. Our characters never do. We are always at each other's throats. We always hate each other. We always basically have completely different worldviews. Wow. And, and that kind of, but it's so much fun to role play because- yeah. He'll be a barbarian. I'll be a sorcerer. We'll have completely different, you know, views of the world. He threatens me with a great axe. He's like, "Do you really want to go here?" I mean, I'm, re yeah, yeah, okay. If if you really want to go here, that's fine. I'll dimension door. Just kind of kind of keep fireballing you until you die. I mean, that's if right. we want to go there, let's go there. But uh, as soon as that little scene ends or whatever, we kind of get together. We we make sure we laugh. We tell jokes. We do something like that so we can kind of break that tension. So hopefully it doesn't bleed over into. Player player conflict. Because unfortunately, I have seen that happen in games where character disagreement led to player disagreement and invariably maybe even the group breaking up. I yeah. saw that happen in a GURPS game a thousand years ago. Oh, man. Yeah. Those are the main questions that I had. Um, do you have any parting thoughts on Venture Forth, live play podcasting, conflict? I guess I would just say conflict. It's been a more recent pursuit for me personally. I'm mm -hmm. somebody who's averse to conflict. 
And I think it's a cool way to explore it, honestly, through role playing. But it's something I'm exploring in my my day to day life as well. And also with, you know, with Venture Forth, we're a team of people and we all have just like our party, we all have different ideas on the best way to approach things. And so, you know, we don't we're not a we don't fight really, but we do have conflict and disagreements and stuff we have to work out. And I think it's it's important to be said that there is a line between hitting the eject button and just saying, I'm not going to have conflict, so I'm just going to back out of here or I'll just like give up my perspective and just like let other people do whatever they want and, you know, dominating and bulldozing everyone. There is a line to walk and that's difficult to do, uh, but you can do it. <laughs> that's something I am learning. Like I've literally only just learned that there, that, that is a thing you can do. Um, and I think I would just encourage people to do that. And and why not do it in D&D? <laughs> Of course, the thing I just thought about is my wife doesn't play a lot of RPGs, so very mm. rarely does she get involved. My son is now getting to the age where he can, so oh, okay, that's awesome. But no, what I was thinking about you and your wife having in-game conflict, I can kind of see everybody looking around the table going, "Is this a real? <laughs> is this born out of something, or is this just their characters?" Everybody play along. You know, I I can't speak to whether or not that happens. It doesn't seem like it does, but it, that very well could be the undertone. <laughs> Thank you so much. I really appreciate Jane. You, t- you taking time. I know you're busy. This is your dinner time. I, I greatly appreciate you taking a little bit of time and answering My some pleasure. questions and coming on the show. I'm I'm so grateful. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Uh, it it's it's it, your questions are very insightful. I'm 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 grateful to have the opportunity to talk. Well, thank you very much. Um, Venture Forth releases every Tuesday and can be found where fine podcasts are available: iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, and on social media. Venture Forth D and D on Instagram and Twitter. Shane, it has been a privilege and a pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks so much. If you like what you've heard, please spread the word about this podcast and give Venture Forth a listen. I think you and your players will learn a lot about role-playing and will be treated to a great story to boot. Please tune in next week when I'll continue the lore series, and I'll probably fanboy a little bit over one of my favorite pieces of Dungeons & Dragons lore, The Cataclysm of Kryn. Before I go, I want to thank our sponsor, Airplanes. It's dangerous to tell airplane jokes because they really, really need to land. This has been a supersized episode of the Taking 20 podcast, episode 113, interview with Shane from Venture Forth. My name is Jeremy Shelley, and I hope that your next game is your best game. The Taking 20 podcast is a Publishing Cube media production, copyright 2022. References to game system content are copyright their respective publishers.